As the Holy Spirit was poured out, first in Korea, then in China, what we see is that God was using the Holy Spirit to wean the Korean and Chinese churches away from Western missionaries and Western dependents to be dependent directly on him. Then he used another influence. In both cases, the church became uh, persecuted, first by the Japanese in Korea and then by the communists in China. What we see as the Chinese church came under persecution is that God also was using persecution. In other words, the Chinese began to see, as this developed, that Persecution was a part of God's gospel plan and that he used it for good for those who were first seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. So we, sh we should not necessarily attribute persecutions exclusively to the devil. God uses it for his own purposes as we are called with his higher calling. For example, Watchman Nee, at the end of his life, spent many years in a communist prison. When the Western Church discovered that he was in prison, he was, of course, well known, and the Western Church raised money, enough money, to ransom him from prison so that he could get out. When he discovered that he was being freed from prison, he refused to go because he believed that God wanted him in prison. It, it was where he belonged. He could do more good being in the center of God's will, and God's will for him at that time was prison. And so he chose to stay in prison and die in prison, a martyr for Christ. Brother Yun, who is a more uh, recent leader of the house church movement and one of the leaders of the Back to Jerusalem movement, spent also many years in prison. And he... Uh, is sometimes asked by Western missionaries, where did you go to seminary to be a church leader like you are? And his answer is, I went to the Holy Spirit Personal Devotion Bible School, by which he means prison. And you ask yourself, well, this seems to have been a really good training place because the church is prospering more in China than it it ever has in this country of America, where we have all these seminaries. So we're asking ourselves, possibly Jesus is a very good seminary teacher, and prison might be a perfectly good place to hear from him. The result of that is 140 million believers have come to faith in Christ in one generation in China since the 1980s. And a hundred thousand of those have committed themselves, or at least the, the, the house church of China has committed to send a labor force, an army of a hundred thousand people into the mission field, moving west into Afghanistan, Pakistan, Nepal, Tibet, all of the countries to the west of China. I believe that the Back to Jerusalem movement is not just for the Chinese. I think that the Indonesians have been hearing from God. I think that 
The Koreans have been hearing from God. Many people have been hearing from God uh, about this last move of the gospel of the Holy Spirit, bringing the gospel uh, back to Jerusalem. But let me describe how the back to Jerusalem Chinese church leaders describe in their own words uh, from this book that they have written. We can see that the flame of the gospel has burned in a westward direction. Beginning around 30 years ago, genuine and sustained revival came to the Chinese house churches. We found ourselves on the front line of this worldwide fire of God's blessing, and many tens of millions of people have come to faith in Christ. We also came to the realization that practically all the remaining areas of the world that have never been penetrated by the gospel are situated west and south of China. We believe God has given us a solemn responsibility to take the fire from his altar and complete the Great Commission by establishing his kingdom in all the remaining countries of the people groups in Asia, the Middle East, and Islamic North Africa. And when the fire of the gospel completes its circuit of the whole globe, the Lord Jesus will return. This is not a ticket to heaven kind of gospel. This is a kingdom of heaven kind of gospel. By which I mean, when the Holy Spirit truly comes, he brings people into conformity to Christ and he gives what belongs to Christ, gives it to them in the next generation as he comes. People want to commit themselves to his purposes, and they become committed into the kingdom of God. They're asking, what could I do to please you, and not just what could you do to please me? And so in the Back to Jerusalem movement, what we see is Ephesians 1.10 and Ephesians 2.10 coming together. Ephesians 1.10 the description of the total plan of God, the picture of God. What is the, the end of history? What is the goal of God in history? And that goal is to bring all things together in perfect unity under one head, things in heaven and things on earth, so that earth is brought into harmony with heaven and there is no difference. That's the goal that God has in mind for history. And then Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. Well, each of us has a part to play in the kingdom of God. And so we have to yield our own will in order to get his will and his understanding of what he's driving at. And the Holy Spirit will teach us and draw us out of this worldly system that we're in so that we can begin to devote ourselves to the kingdom of heaven. Right now, it looks like completing this circuit is really, really big on God's heart. And that's where the Back to Jerusalem movement comes from. Let me describe the roots of the Back to Jerusalem movement. Put my glasses on here. Um, as it first began to be revealed to the Chinese house church leaders, one leader in particular whose name 
was Mark Ma, of the same, more or less the same generation as Watchman Nee. On the morning of May 23, this would be 1943, the year I was born, as I fasted and prayed about the name of the band, that was the, the band of believers that he was uh, founding, the Lord revealed the verse of scripture to my heart, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end shall come. So that's Matthew 24, 14. So I said, Lord, what does this mean? And the Lord replied, it is this, I not only want the Chinese church to assume responsibility for taking the gospel to Xinjiang, but I want you to bring to completion the commission to preach the gospel to all the world. I asked, O Lord, has not the gospel already been preached to all the world? And the Lord said, Since the beginning at Pentecost, the pathway of the gospel has spread for the greater part in a westward direction, from Jerusalem to Antioch to all Europe, from Europe to America and then to the east, from the southeast of China to the northwest, till today from Gansu on westward it can be said there is no firmly established church. You may go westward from Gansu, preaching the gospel all the way back to Jerusalem, causing the light of the gospel to complete the circle around this dark world. I said, O oh Lord, who are we that we could carry such a great responsibility? And the Lord answered, I want to manifest my power through those who of themselves have no power. And let me recommend to everyone who's listening to these teachings, this book, Back to Jerusalem, if you want to get a sense of what God's present day objectives are in the world, this book conveys it better than just about any I have read. This extraordinary vision from the Lord has now engulfed the church in China, and I believe is engulfing many other Asian churches, and I believe the whole church needs to pay attention to what God is doing. Just in summary, we are between two very significant and important anchor points in history the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. This period in between the two comings of Christ that are prophesied going clear back to the Hebrew prophets in the Old Covenant. These two points are the, are, are, we're between these two points and these two points mark the beginning and the end of a season of time that the apostles call the dispensation of the Holy Spirit or the, the, the period of time of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the way God chooses to do things now. When Jesus comes back, things will change. But right now, Jesus is telling us to learn how to buy oil, and that means learn how to operate in the light and power of the Holy Spirit. And as we move toward the end of the age, that word is becoming more and more important, and we need to pay attention. I've said all along that each of these great awakening movements that have been going west, 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 
Each of these great awakening movements has added something into the picture. As we've looked at them, we've seen one element, maybe two, added in that the church had not noticed before in the Word of God. And as they opened up to those new elements, there was controversy, but God's goal was to bring that new element into the church and make it a part of the equipment of the saints. God is still doing that, but we may well ask, what are the new elements? What are the elements of the gospel, the new covenant in the word of God that we've been ignoring all along, and now it's time for those things to be added in? And the answer, I believe, there are two things. One is we must pay closer attention today than we ever have before to what the Bible says about the end of the age. We must pay attention to this. We must dialogue about this. We must talk back and forth. It's going to be divisive at first, but as we talk, if we learned how to put into practice Ephesians 4, where it says, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up in every way into Christ. And we must learn to put that passage into practice so that this end-time teaching, end-time promise, the hope of the gospel, the hope of the kingdom will not be just one more thing to divide Christians from each other. And that brings the second of the two things that I believe God is adding into the picture, and that is unity in Christ. There is a story in this life of Brother Young where the house church leaders were becoming very divided uh, from each other uh, by the influence of Western denominations coming in through the gifts of Bibles that they were sending to the Chinese church. Uh, and they would read these denominational pamphlets and begin to, to take these denominational positions. And finally they realized this was not good. This was something dividing the church, and this was not what God wanted. And so they repented of this, and they regained their unity. And the power of the Chinese church is in its unity today. I believe that that is something that God wants for all of us. And in that regard, let me recommend one more book, Awakening the One New Man, which is about the particular challenge of unity that is going to face the Christian churches of our day. And that is to fulfill Ephesians 2 and to see Jew and Gentile in Christ united as one. So we are seeing many believers now, believe, uh, there's a, a, a whole list of believers in this, leaders of the church, including some uh, Messianic Jewish leaders who contribute to this book. It's well worth your read. The whole thing is fascinating, and I want to recommend it to you. But all of this is to fulfill the high priestly prayer of Jesus in John 17 that we have been ignoring over the years, that they may all be one, even as the Father and the Son are one with each other.